From the creators of Circles of Faith, this is Slices of Life, where friends grow faith, enhance life, and build community together. I'm Kimberly Amici, and today I'm here with Elise Daly Parker and Kimberly Coyle. Today we're talking about the idea that it's never too late. Whether you're young or old, this matters. No matter how old you are, it takes courage to change direction, try something new, or completely start over. In fact, the most successful people are the ones who have reinvented themselves, tried, failed, and tried again. We're here today to encourage you to pursue a dream or a desire that God has placed in your heart. But before we get started, let's do what we do each week and ask an In Your Words questions. Ladies, I'd like to know, what were you known for as a child? Elise, would you like to go first? Sure. Um, I think what I was known for was a a nurturer and a listener. Um, I was actually called Junior Mommy by my (laughs) brothers and sisters. And I was not the oldest. I was the second oldest. And Junior Mommy was not always a um, compliment. Sometimes it was, um, you know, sort of a get off our back and stop acting like you're the boss. And But sometimes it was a compliment. Sometimes it was that they could come to me and confide in me and trust me with what they needed to share, My that, the, they being my siblings. One of the things that really was enlightening for me about how I've always been and who I've always been was um, when I, uh, several years ago, my mother told me a story about when I was in kindergarten. She said that she'd gotten a call from the kindergarten teacher and um, the teacher wanted to speak to her. And my mother was kind of like, speak to me about Elise. She's like, never does anything wrong. She's such a good little girl. What could she possibly want to speak to me about? So my mom went in and had a conference with the teacher and she explained to the teacher that I was um, trying to take care of the children in my classroom and that they didn't like it because I was their age. Why was I acting like, well, a junior mommy, I guess. Um, So anyway, that that was so enlightening to me when my mother told me that. It was like, oh my gosh, I have always been this way. I've always been a caretaker. I've always... um, sort of been in a position to say, Hey, how are you doing? How are you feeling? How can I help you? Um, even if you're my same age or maybe even a little older. (laughs) (laughs) So that would be something that I think has, um, been something I've carried through for the rest of my life. I hope in a healthy way. I hope in a helpful way. I hope not in an obnoxious way. (laughs) Kimberly, what about you? What were you known for? I think I was known for always having a book in my hand. I never went anywhere without a book if I could help it. And um, it was just my go-to. I I always was reading. I always had a book with me. And um, even recently, my cousin, who I have not seen in many, many years, um, reconnected with my sister on, I think it was on Facebook or something. And he said... Uh, that he remembers me always having a book. And I only saw him probably once a year, if that. Hmm. And um, that's something that stands out to him. So I would say that's definitely the case. Nothing has changed. I always have a book with me now. And um, yeah, I think I'm still a kid at heart when it comes to reading. That's great. Um, I was always known for being a tomboy. Mm. So I grew up on a block that had a ton of boys on it. And I loved being out on the street, playing football, playing baseball with them. Um, but really, I remember like wanting to like play it well, 
like wanting to impress the boys and them not to just think I was just a regular girl. And I mean, I, I, even to the degree where I kind of wore boyish clothes because I got a lot of hand-me-downs from my boy cousin and like jeans were jeans, right? I don't think they had jeans back, back then like they do now where like they're clearly feminine jeans versus masculine jeans or I don't know, I I would wear boy hand-me-downs and then I would get out in the street and get dirty with the boys. Um, and then I even had short hair, like in seventh and eighth grade. So I don't think that really helped um, <laughs> differentiate me as a girl. But um, I've definitely, I haven't, I, I've, I've grown out of it to a certain degree. I definitely have embraced my femininity and I love colors and I love, I, I don't wear hand-me-down boy clothes anymore. But, um, <laughs> but I do love sports and I do love being active and getting sweaty and getting dirty and yeah. Mm-mm. Cool. <laughs> awesome. So today we're talking about it's never too late, and that can cross a variety of different areas and different topics. Um, I want to start out with sharing some it's never too late facts about some famous people that you know, um, but you may not know their story. So, for example, Walt Disney was a newspaper editor. Dreams didn't always come true for Walt Disney. The founder of the Walt Disney Company started out as a newspaper editor, but was apparently fired because he lacked imagination and had no good ideas. <laughs> Which is kind of crazy. Yeah. Um, Very wild. Julia Child was a spy. The famed cook wasn't cooking up delicious French cuisines until the age of 36. Before that, she worked as a CIA intelligence agent. And she didn't even launch her popular TV show, which we all, our generation, would know her from, um, until she was 50 years old. That's crazy. She's a dark horse, Julia Child. knew she was a spy. Yep. (laughs) It's amazing. Stan Lee, the creator of Spider-Man, was 43 when he began drawing his superheroes. And then his partner, Jack Kirby, was 44 when he created the Fantastic Four. So that's for all the comic book people out there. Hmm. And then Harlan Sanders, which is Colonel Sanders of KFC, was 66 when he began to promote his style of cooking and create the KFC, the Kentucky Fried Chicken Empire. I love it. Gives us all hope. Yeah. Although I don't want to wait till I'm 66 to like (laughs) do my thing. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Well, maybe you'll be 66 when you do another thing. Another thing, right? That sounds great. So I want us to take turns today and talk about the experience we've had with It's Never Too Late. What have you done that maybe you were tempted to give up on or tempted not to try to begin with because you felt like your time had passed or it was just too late in the game to get involved? So Elise, why don't you start us off and give us an example? All right. Well, um, definitely connected to um, who I've always been, I think. Um, You know, I studied psychology in college as well as English. And um, I really, most of my career, I would say, has been involved, not most of it, I've done so many different things, but um, a lot of it has been involved in writing and editing. A lot of my professional work has been uh, that, but you know, I think you use a psychology degree no matter what in life. I've always been fascinated by people. Um, people are my favorite subject. They're my favorite. Um, I, I like being with people. I like spending time with people. Um, I always wonder what makes somebody tick. I like to know something beyond the obvious. And um, I do think that I felt like there have been so many times in my life where I thought I really. 
I wish I had gotten that psychology degree. You know, I, I wish I'd gotten further along in psychology. So maybe I would have been a counselor. Um, but I never did. And I certainly felt many times it was too late to do that. And then life coaching started coming, uh, becoming popular. And so I'd hear about it from time to time and definitely piqued my interest. But again, I think there was this little, you know, you're already doing your editorial writing stuff. Um, is it too late? Is it too late to, to get certified? Is it too late to try to s start something new? I am 58 years old. And, um, and then I decided, no, it is absolutely not too late. And I, um, and I say this truly, I truly believe it. And I truly believe that it's true for everybody. Can I use the word true one more time? <laughs> <laughs> but I, I do. And I think at this age, I see, especially women maybe feeling, what have I got to offer? Maybe they've raised their children and they've, um, mostly stayed home or done some work that wasn't necessarily, um, satisfying. And, um, they wonder, is it too late? And and that sort of has spurred me on to say, no, it's not too late. We, we can kind of choose a new thing. So my thing is coaching. I became a certified life coach last spring. And it's in some ways, it validated a lot of what I do as a human being. <laughs> um, I, you know, I try to encourage, I coach in terms of like seeing things in people and saying, you know, you can really capitalize on that and do something with that. That's your passion. That's your strength. Go for it. Do it. And now as a coach, I, I can do that a little bit with a little bit more skills behind me and some tools behind me. Um, and also I'm do so I'm doing a number of different coaching jobs. I, I am a writing and editing coach, a writer coach, really. I work with writers to help their dreams come true. And I also work with just your average person as a life coach uh, on whatever it is that they want to, to change, to go from here to there, to go from where they are to where they want to be. And I also do my favorite thing I would have to say is um, marriage coaching. I love working with couples and imparting the tools, you know, really that I've learned through life, but sort of been able to package as a coach. Um, so yeah, that's, that's what I'm doing. I'm doing life coaching and writing coaching and coaching coaching. <laughs> and I'm loving it. Oh, that's great. And Kimberly, what about you? You have something similar. Yeah, I do. I, uh, a year ago, I went back to school. So I am in graduate school getting a master of fine arts in creative writing. Um, and I absolutely thought it was too late for me. I was certain of that. Um, I expected that I, first of all, wouldn't get in, which mm. I ended up doing, obviously. And then I thought when I showed up, I would be the only person who was 40 and um, that it would just be so awkward and uncomfortable. And there actually was a little bit of that. I was much closer in age, certainly, to my professors. Um, but it's... It's funny because for writers, some a lot of people do come to it late or they don't actually, you know, if they want to study it, they don't study it until later in life. So I've had it. We've had a few people trickle into the program who are closer to my age, which is which is helpful. Really nice. Um, but it's been good, too, to be with younger people and to kind of mm -hmm. just get a sense for what they're doing and how they're starting out early, earlier than me anyway, and kind of what that path could have looked like for me. And looking back, um, I mean, I've really lamented that over the years, like, why didn't I start sooner? Why didn't I, you know, pursue writing sooner and then go to school right away and maybe get a degree in English? And, um, 
as I have thought back and lamented over it, being with younger students in my graduate program and seeing how they're still um, so hyper-focused on just getting their life in order, like their everyday life, you know, where they live, what they do for a living, having relationships, you know, um, having, having a family. I've already got that stuff done. Like I, I've been married for 20 years. I've got three kids. You know, my oldest is leaving home in a year. Like I'm already well on that path. My life is established and now I can really throw myself into my writing and my degree. And I think I have more, um, probably a little more perspective than some of the younger students. So in that way, I I feel like I'm at at an advantage and it's been really, really good and helpful for me to see that. So just remind our listeners, because you mentioned it before in other episodes, but what did you go to school with in the beginning? Years ago. (laughs) Yes. Years ago when I came out of high school, I did not know what I wanted to do with my life. Um, And I had gotten a scholarship to a local a private college. And, um, you know, when you get a scholarship and you're paying for school yourself, you go there. So that's where I went. And they, um, they had programs. I mean, you could, I could still could have studied anything and I probably should have, but, um, they had big programs in teaching and also in nursing. And I did not want to teach little kids. I was certain of that. And so I was like, well, I guess I'll do nursing. You know, it's something I can always, take care of myself. I can always provide for myself if need be. Um, and so I went into nursing, but the, um, problem with that is that I don't actually like nursing or science <laughs> or taking care of people, which my husband will attest to when he's ill. Like <laughs> don't be ill in my face. I'm not interested <laughs> unless you're dying. I can't help you. Um, <laughs> and, but, uh, blood, body fluids, like really not I'm not cool with those so much. So nursing was not for me, although I did very much enjoy helping people. I enjoyed um, caring for them, but I have found that caring, I would prefer to care for them in other ways. Like I'm much more concerned about the state of someone's soul than I am maybe about their um, physical health. So yeah, that was a bit of a detour. So I did that for a while. I I worked as a nurse for five years. And in those five years, I had seven jobs because I kept trying to find the right one that I thought would make me feel like this is a right fit. And it never was. Um, I learned a lot along the way. I learned a tremendous amount about people and, um, you know, their struggles and dealing with major major life issues and, um, and that kind of thing, but it it was not the right path for me. So as soon as I, uh, had a baby, I was ready to quit. And my husband was like, yeah, not yet. So, so I worked (laughs) part-time after my first child was born and then we moved overseas. So I couldn't work overseas with a, um, with a license from the States. So that was a huge gift to me. I was like, Oh, sorry, can't work anymore. You know, but that's great. I think uh, some people will get tripped up and say, well, this is what I went to school for. And this is what my background and my education is. I have to make this work somehow. And they so um, miss the opportunity to try something new. And you yeah. were able to, um, go into writing and then taking it a step further by getting your master's, which is awesome. Yeah, I, it's definitely easy to get stuck in that mindset. Like, this is what I chose, and now I need to just make it work. Right. And it was hard for me when I finally um, decided. I, I kept up my my license for years. You know, you have to renew it every, I forget how often, often enough. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I finally decided to stop renewing my nursing license, that was a big deal for me because mm-hmm. it, was, it was like a definitive moment where I, 
and I sat down with my husband and I prayed about it. And I was like, you know what? I'm stepping away from this. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to go back to this. This is not a part of my life anymore. It's part of my history, but it's not a part of moving forward. So, um, yeah, I've, you know, done a full turnaround, but it's been such a blessing and I don't, I wouldn't change anything. Honestly, looking back, I wouldn't change those decisions. Mm -hmm. Um, that's great because you know, life experience, right? That's, that's what it's about. Yeah. And I think you're a better writer for the years that you've experienced other things. Mm-hmm. And you wouldn't have yeah, had that maturity or that perspective if you had started writing right out of school. Yeah, I do read some writers uh, now who are very young, and I, I often think to myself, oh, dear. <laughs> <laughs> there's there's a lot of life experience that needs to take place here before we oh, can be writing about, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. Well, I wonder, Kimberly, can I just ask you a question? Um, did you ever think at that stage when you were young, when you were going through the nursing um process, getting that degree. Were you ever thinking at that point, gee, I wish I could be a writer? Um, not, not when I was in nursing school, I really was not self-aware enough to know like that this deep love for words, this deep love for reading. I I don't know. I was, would make you a writer. it, It was a little fuzzy. Yeah. I didn't know that that was actually something that I could pursue myself. It just seemed so foreign to me. Like writer was just someone I admired and looked up to. And I thought I could never do that. But I always had that deep little seed inside of me that just kept whispering, like, I want to write, I want to write. And I just, it took many, many, many years. I was, I was probably in my early thirties before I could even verbalize that that was a desire I had. Like I couldn't even verbalize it for 15 years, which is crazy. But you know what? That's the path I was on. And, and I think that that's okay. I think more than anything that this, what we would like to say to women listening today is that it's okay. Wherever you are right now is okay. The choices you've made are only, you know, they're only going to give you life experience from which to, you can grow and, and move on from. Mm-hmm. Love it. Great. Yeah, that's great. So how about you, Kim? Well, mine would might be maybe the reverse, Kimberly, of what you're talking about. Um, mine would be, it's never too late to go back to basics. Uh, I went to school for interior design and almost similar to Kimberly, what you were talking about, I got accepted to a school and I got put into a program that was a four year interior design program. And I didn't choose it as my major. It was actually just something I mentioned in a college interview. And I mean, I, I had a portfolio, I had a creative background, like, great. Like I, no big deal. Like design, design. I do love homes. I, I loved fixer up her shows. There weren't a lot back then, but, um, I feel like there was like one or two. And then, you know, my dad had all the time life books about how to like build a deck and hang wallpaper. And like, so right. I, loved, I remember those books. So, yeah. We used to get them yeah. once a month in the mail. And, and so I did yes. love everything design. Um, so I did the four year program. I graduated. <clears throat> I, worked at an architecture firm and then worked in a design firm, moved to New York city again, worked in a commercial design firm. So I love, I love the industry, but when I stayed home to have my children, I stopped working. I did freelance work for a number of years. Um, but I think that there were the years with children and even the years working in design where I actually got away from the creativity that I loved having 
as a child or even as a teenager or a high schooler and, and even a little bit in college. And mm-hmm. it's just been recently that I started observing Sabbath really consistently. And so the whole idea is that I will spend time doing things that I want to do, not things that I have to do. And what it's done is it's kind of opened up my eyes to see what I really love. First of all, what I really love versus what I thought that I loved. And it's allowed me the opportunity to kind of go back and explore the creative side of me. I mean, I've kind of always done creative things along the way, but really the idea of like crafting, like I'm not a huge crafter, but it's in the crafting that I've used it to do things around my home, to do a little bit more DIY stuff. And I think I could have stayed busy the rest of my life and never gotten back to that. But I think that because I started practicing Sabbath and because I'm really searching for what it is that I really, truly enjoy, it's kind of bringing me back to my roots. And I'm going, oh, yeah, I really did like to do that. Like, I really could sit and draw for two hours and be happy and content. Like, I almost Mm -hmm. forgot that just with Mm -hmm. the busyness of being a a mom Mm -hmm. and raising kids and being a wife and being a volunteer. And and, um, so I think for me, I think it's never too late to get back to basics. And so it's ongoing for me, and I'm really excited um, about what future Sabbaths hold because I feel like it is an opportunity for me to go back and wade back through the creativity that I have and discover more about myself. So sounds good. That's so good. Gosh, I bet there's a lot of people out there who think, I used to love this, you know, I used to love this one particular thing and I I really would love to get back to it and kind Mm -hmm. of finding small steps along the way. You were saying you used your Sabbath to explore that Mm -hmm. because, you know, everyday life doesn't always allow us to explore these things. And I've been, I've been fortunate that I've been able to write in sort of the margins of my life, Mm -hmm. but you know, exploring creativity, like we have to look for those pockets where we can, where we can find those places to kind of go back. Yeah. And for me, it even can be, Going back to basics means other things too. Like I do love photography, so I could spend time maybe intentionally taking an afternoon where I go take pictures of just nature or whatever. Or, you know, I loved playing volleyball in high school, like really loved the sport. I wasn't great at it by any means, but I really loved it. And so I know that our town has a volleyball team. So schedule didn't work out for me last year, but maybe this year it'll work out. Like getting back to the things that I remember loving that are just not a part of my life anymore. And, you know, there may be some things where I get back to doing them and I go, Hmm, I didn't like, I don't like this as much as I used to, but I have, I have a funny feeling that there'll be more things where I'm like, wow, I forgot that this is what made me happy. And I forgot that this is what brought me joy. So I love that. Oh my goodness. I feel like there's more. I need to go back more and kind of explore. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm thinking it's sort of, um, there's freedom to do that, you know, there, mm-hmm. and I think maybe what trips us up sometimes is the idea, um, that we have to do all one thing or be all one way, because though I am, though I have added coaching to my life as one of the things I do, I'm still a writer and an editor. Um, that's my bread and butter. That's what I do professionally. And you know what I mean? So yeah. just because I've added coaching doesn't mean that's all I do now. It just means that's it another element, um, that, that I'm utilizing so another part of myself that I'm using. And so I love that, um, 
Kimberly, it sounds like what you're giving yourself permission to do is really explore things mm-hmm. and to like them or not like them. Yeah. <laughs> like, who, yeah. who cares? Okay. So, you know, I think I want to be on this volleyball team and I'm going to, there's space to do it. I'm going to try it. And, oh, didn't like that either. And that's okay. Um, there's definitely some freedom there that I think is something to embrace and, and also to realize that some of it really does have to be done in the margins and that's okay too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I listened to a podcast called The Portfolio Life with uh, Jeff Goines. And he talks, uh, he really focuses a lot on that about having a portfolio of things that you do within your life. You're not only one thing. And I think that's a really easy trap to fall into. And also, like, you know, with me giving up nursing, I I mean, I really did turn away from that. That was a a decision I made, but it certainly doesn't have to be that way. You know, I could. Mm I could be working as a nurse and writing, you know, in right. the evenings or the mornings, right. or it could be any of those things that, that was just particular to my case, but you're absolutely right. You can be so many things and, and try so many, um, you know, something new, something old, just bringing those things together and, and see where it takes you. Elise, if you had have done life, co- like you wouldn't have done life co- coaching right out of college because nobody, nobody had, there were no life coaches, no. right? It requ- and also it requires life experience, right. I think. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and then even Kimberly, like really spending the years um, having a family, experiencing things, traveling, you know, going through what you needed to go through to then be, have depth as a writer now. But if I'm talking to young women or young mothers who feel overwhelmed, I would strongly encourage them to find something that is true to themselves that they can carve out time to really like maintain and nurture so that they don't get to my age and I'm, I'm only 40 something or other, um, get to my <laughs> age. Like you don't need an epiphany to do the things that you love to do. And so I do regret maybe the years that I've gotten away from it because I think my eyes were just on other things, right? Trying to... Sure. Achieve what people sure. want, like be what people wanted me to be. And, you know, I think, I feel like it is definitely one of those things that if you are mindful of how important the basics are and are mindful about how important finding pockets of time to rest and to do things that bring you joy, I think you'll mm-hmm. be better off for it. Yeah. Boy, can that be, um, really hard to do when yeah. no, I know you're it's in the hard. middle of, of raising children or, or going to school or, um, whatever it is that takes our full lives. It's mm-hmm. so hard to imagine having been very much super busy in my past with whatever, working, balancing family life, all that stuff, um, it can be really hard to step away from it and realize how important yeah. that uh, reconnecting with yourself is so, yeah. Yeah. yeah and I know it's, it's difficult. I don't discount it at all, but I don't, no, no. but I don't think I knew better when I was, you know, t- 25, 30 with little ones to say to my husband, Hey, every Saturday morning, do you think I can just go and take a craft class? You know what I mean? Like I didn't know to ask for it because right. I thought, well, this yeah. is my season. This is what I'm doing. And I need to give my all to everybody and I need to be there for them. And I couldn't possibly step away. And I think that um, as young moms or as young people, we don't realize how important it is and we don't know that we can ask for it because I didn't know I could ask for it. And I didn't know why I should, you know, like I I maybe had myself convinced that I should be satisfied with this new life that I had with this new set of circumstances. Mm -hmm. And yes, contentment is what we need, but that doesn't mean we stop doing what makes us healthy, makes us a better mom, makes us a better wife 
makes oh, us Oh gosh, I love that. Yeah. Doing what makes us healthy. Not even like mm-hmm. doing what makes us happy, doing what makes us healthy. Yeah. 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 So, oh, that's so wise. So yeah. wise. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, that's good stuff. I think, um, too, that it's, you know, I, I thought to myself when I started this journey of going back to graduate school, um, it was always a goal that I had for myself. I always knew I wanted to go to graduate school. I just was never really sure what to pursue because I had clearly given up nursing and then I was sort of just raising my family and not really sure. And, um, and when I finally zeroed in on that, it felt really good, but I, it's been so good for, for my family too, to see that this is something that is really important to me. It's wonderful for my girls to see. I think that, mm-hmm. you know, a woman never has to stop growing and, and, you know, we have those opportunities and we need to take them. And, you know, I mean, no, I know that going back to school is not an option for everyone. It's so expensive and it's a huge challenge and, um, I don't work full time, so I don't have that burden as well. Uh, so it's a privilege for sure. But, you know, regardless of what it is, like, our daughters need to see us doing things that bring us life. And I think oftentimes if you're a stay-at-home mom, which I have been for many years, um, that my, my girls didn't really see that. And, and it wasn't, I wasn't always a good model of what a healthy woman looks like. Um, you know, a healthy woman can have a job outside of the house or she can go back to school or she can be pursuing things in her Sabbath or going, you know, back to the basics or having a portfolio life. Like this is what healthy womanhood looks like. And I want them to see that. And my son too, heck, he needs to as well be, you know, it's good for all of, all of my kids to see that growth never stops no matter how old you are. Yeah. Definitely. Elise, in episode 11, you mentioned something that it's not too late to do. Can you remind us of what that was? So, um, yes. Um, one of the things that I have seen it is never too late for is to get our finances in order. And I, I think what I was talking about in another episode was um, the importance of modeling that for our children. And so basically, um, I think Chris and I, my husband Chris and I, um, have worked on finances uh, in, in, in fits and starts. Okay, so we're going to do Crown Ministries. We're going to have a debt-free life. And we did that for a while. And then, you know, life got in the way. And then tried several different things, the money box, all that stuff. And finally, last year, um, we were very convicted that we, we had to do something. We were definitely in over our heads in terms of where we were living, which is part of the reason that we've recently moved, um, and the expenses of where we were living, you know, taxes and all that stuff. And just this this uh, snowball of, of debt, because you do get into that trap. You, you start to spend more than you make, and, and it just, it, it literally grows. It gathers uh, more and more debt, which is a scary thing, too. So we, I, I had heard about Dave Ramsey for a long time. In fact, Kimberly Michi, you, you shared a lot about Dave Ramsey's sort of techniques for um, getting your life in order financially. And I, you know, started poking around on the Internet and looking to see was there a, um, a class that Dave Ramsey offered called Financial Peace University, which I'd heard about. And of course, yes, there was many classes in my area. So finally, Chris and I decided uh, a year ago in January to do Financial Peace University together. And um, it is definitely the road 
the the path that began us on the road to sort of financial recovery. And um, you know, we're 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 working on it now. We're, we're in fact, I, I got I got my husband for um, his for his birthday this past year another program from um, Dave Ramsey called Building a Financial Legacy. So, you know, we we are making changes um, in this new home. It's another opportunity to regroup, which frankly we haven't done yet. We've been here for like five weeks, and um, we we know we need the big financial meeting to talk about where we are and where we want to be. Um, but again, before it was a sideline, sort of like okay, yeah, yeah, we'll get it, we'll get to that. But I would say now it's a priority and it's changing our life. So it is never too late to make changes. Um, in your finances that will set you on a new path. And we are on that new path and we want to continue to be on that new path. And I don't think it's ever too late to influence our children in that as well. Um, you know, we've shared some of the materials. We've certainly talked about it and um, we need to continue to do, to let them know that we're working on this and that it is um, a process and that it's really important for them as well. So. Yeah. Well, the best thing we can do is model this stuff for our children. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And they'll, and they'll, I agree. they'll see and notice the changes. Even if you have older children, they'll see yeah. a difference Absolutely. between the way they lived growing up and then the way you're living now. They'll totally mm-hmm. see it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. That's right. Yeah. I love being able to welcome our children and like just to invite them into these things that we're doing because, yeah. um, I, I did find like with my parents, I never really knew what was going on behind the scenes. You know, it just was, they did a lot behind the scenes. They were pastors of a church and a lot that went on there was, you know, it was private, of course. Mm -hmm. So I didn't always know, you know, what my mom was experiencing as a working mother or, you know, various different things that they experienced or what was going on with their finances because they kind of just took care of it. And I, I like to just invite my kids in on the process as you've done at least. And it's never too late to do that either. You know, even if they're adults, you could can invite them into that process of what you're still learning. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. What about Kim- you, Kimberly, do you have something else for us? It's never too late to do. Yes. And this one is free. Doesn't, <laughs> you don't have to um, apply to school or anything. You can do this <laughs> one no matter where you are. Um, yeah. I think it's never too late to, belong, to belong where you are, to be planted in a place and in a community and with people. Um, It's something that I've struggled with for many years and I've moved around a lot. And we've talked about that, I think, on other podcasts um, that we, you know, I've moved around it quite a bit and and trying to find my place in each of those um, new communities has been a challenge. But I don't think it's impossible. And I don't think even if you've been in a place for 20 years I don't, and you don't, still don't feel like it's home to you, um, I don't think that it's too late for you to make changes and for that place to possibly change you, you know? Mm. Um, right now, we live in New Jersey, and we lived here for six years um, previously, and then we moved away and came back. And in that six years that we lived here previously – I woke up every day feeling angry that I lived here. Like mm-hmm. I, I just was so despondent over it and I didn't want to live here. And I had a, what is so ridiculous and crazy about this is I had an amazing group of friends. I had a wonderful church. I had a great community within my town and I did not take advantage of hardly any of it. Most of it was kind of 
imposed on me. Like, oh, I live here. So, you know, I guess I'll have to make the best of it, but I, I didn't make the best of it. That's what, that's what's so awful about it. So now that we've moved back to New Jersey and I'm in the same town, same wonderful group of friends who stuck around, praise the Lord <laughs> for that. And same church. Um, and we've been here three years now and it was a hard transition coming back. You know, I kind of had to readjust like my ideas of my expectations, honestly. Um, but I came back knowing that we were going to put down roots here and this was where we were going to stay and we're going to raise our kids here and darn it, I'm going to be happy about it. So, um, I have really tried to get to know my community more. I've kind of just joined some different things that have helped me to get to know people. Um, I've, I put my kids to work in the community so they get to know other families here. And, um, I have become much more intentional about my friendships and my relationships um, with our friend group, just kind of trying to stay connected and kind of keeping an open door policy, like just always trying to have people to our home and always allowing my kids to have people over whenever they want, however they want, which is not my natural inclination. So, Mm -hmm. but I found that doing, taking all of those steps has actually helped me to belong to a place that I've lived in for nine years now, you know, Mm -hmm. like that's a really long time to kind of be resistant to something. Um, and each place we've lived has looked different, but for now that's, that's my life here. And, and this is what I'm going to pour into. And I really do feel a sense of belonging. I wouldn't say that it's my favorite place in the world. You know, if I could choose to live anywhere, I might choose somewhere else. But um, but it is my home. And I, I absolutely feel that, like, to my bones. I'm like, this is, this is my home. This is where I belong. This is where I'm going to invest. And I've done that. And I've seen huge returns on that. Just absolutely huge, wonderful um, changes just in my own attitude, but even in in my kids, like seeing how they relate to the community and how they relate to living here. Um, I think my attitude has influenced that for negative and, and positively now. Mm -hmm. So, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I would, I would just encourage other people who might be experienced that feeling of like not, not being at home in the world that they live in right now, like Mm -hmm. look for ways to, um, to get connected and to invest there and to kind of, you know, changing our attitudes is kind of the step one of, of all that, which is probably the hardest. Yeah. Mm. Good point. So that was that, that resistance was about living in a place that you just did not want to live. You wanted, you were from Pennsylvania and you did yeah. not want to live in New Jersey. Is that kind of the bottom line? Pretty much, which is kind of ridiculous. I am well aware that this is a ridiculous statement. I'm from Pennsylvania, uh, which is PS maybe about 45 minutes away. Not really that different. Um, I'm a Northeastern girl, and I love living on the Northeast, in the Northeast. Um, and actually, we, we now live closer to New York City, which is pretty awesome. And I, you know, I've learned to take advantage of that as well. But um, yeah, I just didn't want to be here. I don't. Well, you're I also think, an expat, so you lived I was overseas, an expat. and that's, I heard that's a tough transition too for many people coming yes. back home and yes. reestablishing roots. And but, so uh, but were you an expat? nine years, you know, when you first lived there, was that when you were also an expat? Yes. We came to Jersey from London, which is my soul city. Like I feel my soul (laughs) is knitted to that city. So to come here from a place that I felt like I, I wanted to 
die and be buried there. Like that London is that place for me. So to have to move to New Jersey after that was such a, Oh, such a downer. I'm like, this is torture. But I, that was the story I kept telling myself, Mm -hmm. you know, like you don't belong here. You, you belong elsewhere. You belong in this exciting expat life. P.S. No, I don't. I actually belong exactly where the Lord put me, which is New Jersey. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Now, (laughs) you know, this is where that was where he had us for six years. And that was the lesson I was meant to learn. And I didn't learn it. And I was really, really a story of, um, I think, blooming where you're planted. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. And how about you, Kim? Well, I have a good one. Um, Very similar, Kimberly, to you in the sense of it's all about the attitude. Um, and it's something, a lesson that I learned from Elise about it's never too late to have a good marriage. Mm. Elise has helped me with that one. Um, and I, and I laugh as I say this because we go through seasons and not every season is good. (laughs) Um, Amen to that. Yes. So, um, yeah, just this idea of All right. And I'm not talking about a situation that needs intervention or a counselor or where there's abuse or where there's where it's really toxic. I'm talking about um, marriages that are just fine, you know, or they're either mediocre or troubling, but we can deal because we're too busy with our kids and we're raising and we're doing this and we're working and, and and just this idea of making a decision, just like you made a decision to belong Um, I think I've made several decisions over time because I keep having, having to have to make that decision, um, to have a good marriage. Um, so I guess about a year and a half ago when I started with my life coach, one of the things that I had said was important to me was to talk to my husband every night for a half an hour or talk to him once a day, because a large part of our marriage I had little kids. He was working long hours. We just didn't talk a lot during the week. Um, We'd see, we'd, you know, spend a lot of time together on the weekends, but it was usually, it was never uninterrupted time. It was consumed with who needed what and what, who needs to go where. And, and so I definitely felt like that was something that I wanted to work on and that was lacking in our marriage. And I'll have to tell you when I worked with my coach and we were trying to figure out ways that all the, the simple step of talking to my husband in half an hour a day, it was hard you know, cause I was so set in my ways of how I did things and, and I, and I tried and it wasn't working. And I even set an alarm every night and I was like, this stinks. Like it was hard. I, I, I will say that many times again. Um, <laughs> so, and it's not his fault. It's not my fault. It's just the life that we had kind of unknowingly created where we were on autopilot. And so, yeah. What we decided on doing was instead of trying to do it on the evening was we decided to do it in the mornings. So we get up and we run together and we talk. And I would have to say it's made a huge difference. My marriage is not perfect. It never will be, right? Because there's two flawed people in it. Exactly. But Mm -hmm. the idea of changing my mind and saying, all right, so I'm going to talk to him about the things that are burdening me. I'm not going to keep them to myself. I'm not going to stay busy. I'm not going to disengage because, you know, I don't know what he's going to say and I don't want to hear what he has to say or whatever. I mean, it's, you know, for me, it's a, it's a constant decision that I am going to have a good marriage. I'm going to, you know, a read books on marriage. I'm going to 
listen to, you know, sermons on marriage. I'm going to go to a workshop every now and then. I'm going to continue to love my husband despite how I feel or how I feel I'm being treated. And Mm -hmm. in an ideal world, you would be with a spouse that's putting in as much effort as you in the areas you're putting it in. And, but that's not going to happen. So I need to be accountable for my actions, especially in my time with God speaking to him and learning about what he wants me to do. And I'm accountable to him and I need to continue to love my husband. And so that's a choice I have to make. And I know that the fruit of that are amazing times of connection and amazing growth for us. And so it's never too late to start that process. Again, I understand that there are situations that right. just there's no salvaging. But I know between the grace of God and changing mm-hmm. my attitude that really amazing things can happen. And so... Yay. That's what, I, what I have say. to say. <laughs> yeah. I, I think not only are you speaking such truth, but such good news for people who really may think that it is too late and they may have given up on any energy or passion or whatever in their marriages. Mm-hmm. And I think it's really important that it, it it's, does not start with a feeling. It really no. doesn't. Yeah. It does not start yeah. with a feeling. It starts with a commitment mm-hmm. yes. and a decision to love and to, um, and to have a better marriage, not just accept that, okay, I guess this is my, you know, lot in life to have sort of a dead marriage. No, no, mm-hmm. it's not your lot in life. It's, but, but we have tremendous power to change that. And, um, and I, I, I have to say, I really think an important, um, third person in our marriages is definitely the Lord God mm-hmm. getting, getting that, um, relying on him also to move our hearts, to move our spouse's hearts, to one of the most powerful things I think we can do together is pray, you know. So mm-hmm. I'm I'm just very moved and cheered by what you're saying, Kimberly. It's awesome, and you've been on a great journey, and you're proof that um, you can have the marriage that you want to have. Yeah. Love it. Yeah, and I'm always working on it. <laughs> and that's what it takes. It takes always yeah. working on it. Yeah. And for those of us who, who it doesn't take always working on it, God bless you. But I don't know too many people yeah. that it doesn't take intentional effort most yeah. of the time. I aspire to be one of those people that mm-hmm. it's not quite so hard. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, that doesn't seem to be uh, my lot in life. So, I yeah, I think it's it's important to make the distinction, too, that so many of these things that we've talked about, um, about it never being too late, that it always starts with a decision. Like we, we make a decision, we decide, yeah. you know, we change our mindset, we think about, dream about, plan for, like all of that starts in our head. And, um, and beyond, you know, after that, then you have to commit to taking steps for these things to happen. None of it just happens by accident. I, I lived, I, I know, like in my 20s, I really, thought that things just sort of happen, that life happens to you. And that is the exact opposite. It is the most false truth because life doesn't happen to you. You happen to your life. You know, you make, you decide what your life is going to look like, and then you take steps to get there. And sure, we all have detours along the way. Look, you know, there are so many unplanned things that happen to us, but, you know, within those within those challenges, I think we can set boundaries and kind of, 
you know, work with what we've got. I mean, we all have to work with what we've got, right? Mm -hmm. Like I work with where I live and I work with my personality and my husband's personality. And I work with my kids who have certain challenges and, you know, all of those things like, you know, health issues, whatever it may be, if you have a health issue or loss of a spouse or loss of a child or, you know, any loss of a job, any of these things, Mm -hmm. we can still work within that. It's never too late to redeem all of those circumstances. Absolutely. It's kind of like an approach of, I think it is what it is, whatever that, whatever we're talking about, that our circumstance or where we're living, or as you say, some of the losses that we experience. And the response to that really is, okay, so if this is what it is, what am I going to do about it? Mm -hmm. I mean, we are not victims. We have a lot of, of power. And as you say, it starts with making a decision. Okay, I'm going to do something about it. What does that look like? Intentionality, one of our Keywords. (laughs) Keywords. <laughs> true. True. Yeah. Although I must say, I, I I can say this from the standpoint of not having lost any of those things in my life. So I don't carry much. That probably doesn't carry much weight with people who have lost something huge. You know, who've lost their health or a spouse or a child. Like mm-hmm. I, that's not been my experience. So I don't want to sound flippant and say, no, no, no. You know, no. Yeah. We have to. Move beyond. I'm not saying we need to move beyond that, but we have to work within the boundaries that have been set for us. Whatever you know, God or life has thrown our way. Yeah, you know, we we all have things to overcome. Yes, ain't that the truth? All right, ladies. Well, thank you so much for talking about this today. Um, Elise and Kimberly, would you take turns telling me where we can find you around the internet? Sure. You can find me at elisedailyparker.com, and all my tags are basically at Elise Daily Parker. Awesome. Kimberly? Yeah, um, you can find me at my website, KimberlyAnnCoyle.com, and I am Kimberly Coyle on Facebook, Kimberly A. Coyle on Twitter, and on Instagram, which is my favorite place to hang out, I'm K.A. Coyle. And my website is KimberlyAmici.com, and you can find me on Instagram and Twitter as Kimberly Amici and on Facebook as Living in the Sweet Spot. Thanks for joining us for this episode. You can find everything we talked about today in the show notes. You can also subscribe to our newsletter at circlesoffaith.org to receive additional content, resources, and bonus episodes delivered right to your inbox. We also have a Facebook community page for the Slices of Life listeners. There, you can share your experiences with It's Never Too Late and answer our question from the In Your Words segment of the show, what you were known for as a child. Share our podcast with a friend, and if you have a moment, head over to iTunes to rate and review the show because every comment helps listeners find us. Awesome.